Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Vista Property Report. Check it out. They use cell phone or smartphone data to do analysis for properties. It's really cool. And you can get some free reports. Uh, just visit vistapropertyreport.com slash CRE show and use uh, promo code CRE show and get some free reports. It's pretty awesome. Well, all right. Well, today we have a very interesting show. One of the things that I hear from all my peers and people in the industry uh, all the time at this time is how do we underwrite deals? How do we do valuations? How do we do this? Here we are. It's, it's the 1st of October in 2020 as we do this interview today. And so I thought I would ask a expert his opinion on that please welcome my guest is jeff sherman he is president of the appraisal institute now this is the big appraisal institute of, of the country maybe worldwide he's also principal with sherman valuation and review in ohio he's also uh, teaches courses for the appraisal institute and he's been doing that since 1992 and get this before his uh appraisal life uh back in the day he was a realtor uh jeff thank you for joining us sir hey thank you michael it's uh great to, to be with you today on this uh really great show so i'm looking forward to talking with you about what's going on yeah, well, thank you. And, uh, you know, that, that, as I said in the opening, a lot of the questions I get today from, from clients talking about buying, uh, selling, uh, from lenders, uh, from everyone in the business is, hey, how do we underwrite things? So I kind of get us started here. When you're, when you're teaching appraisers today and you're helping them understand how to do this, you know, how do you look at an analysis and underwriting? How do you look at projecting performance right in the middle here of, of COVID? Now, th that is the million dollar question. You hit the nail on the head. So I, I think um, a lot of it depends on the particular property type that you're working with. Um, uh, so when COVID started and we knew we were gonna start to have some impact, you know, in March roughly. Um, so now what are we out? About six months from that. Um, getting into that space more or less. So in this time now, we're likely to have a sale or two, perhaps in the category of uh, the space that we're working in, whether it's office buildings or retail or you know whatever the property type is. So we might have a little bit of market evidence. We might have some evidence relative to rent comparables. Um, the challenge the appraiser has in, in valuing the property correctly is trying to interpret how long this impact is going to last. Right. And sometimes you're forced, you, you might be appraising something that uh, we don't have any sales or any, or any rents uh, in the interim. So uh, what do we do? Is there impact on the property? So what we're talking to appraisers about today is to talk to Mark in, in, in the lack of market evidence, empirical evidence, that we have to do some market participant interviews. So we're calling folks, brokers like yourself, Michael, and saying, hey, I've got this situation. What do you think is happening with it? And actually, it can be very different from property type to property type. So, I mean, if you took a restaurant, for example, which I, I did a restaurant uh, in a divorce situation actually earlier this year, and it was a local tavern 
type restaurant, had a lot of outdoor seating. Um, it was certainly a lot different than a nationally leased restaurant or, you know, with credit tenancy involved. So those kinds of interviews with brokers that I knew dealt in that space were absolutely critical to coming up with the impact side of the valuation problem. Yeah, well, that that makes a lot of sense. And I do get uh, calls from appraisers from time to time. And yeah, they're asking me, I, I lead a team that sells large office buildings. And they're asking me, hey, is, is you're showing these buildings today? What are you hearing uh, from buyers? And what are you hearing from uh, the participants? So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and you mentioned that uh, restaurant. So that's kind of a good example, because you know, that's not a national credit lease cap rate kind of would be a little simpler, right? It's more of a, a user comp thing. And I guess there was a kind of a local business in there. So do, do at this point in, in uh, where properties across the street from each other, they're similar, can have different valuations uh, and different performance based on the actual tenants in them. Do appraisers look have to go a little deeper into the actual credit of the tenants um, and what their industry is doing? Certainly, um, and certainly when you're you're doing a multi-tenanted or even a single-tenanted uh, income investment type property versus an owner-occupied property, like you might be appraising an industrial office warehouse that's 40,000 square feet. And in the Cleveland area, they're predominantly owner occupied. So the income side of things is not as much of a consideration in that type of appraisal because the valuation premise is a little different than when we get into the income side. Right, so you're kind of looking then at uh, what, are the, what are the tenant credit, how are they paying? Right, and then also really what, the, what that industry's doing and how they might be impacted. Definitely. And I, I mean, there's a lot of published uh, articles. There's a lot of published indices, uh, trends and research that are out there, especially in the credit tenant side for people to take advantage of. And I think one of the challenge, one of the big challenges we really have is trying to, um, we bring a lot of us bring a lot of experience to the table and we've been through rough times before. And we, you know, we've seen, situations like if you go into uh, when the tax laws were changed in 1986 and you had remember that. yeah you had 80% or double you remember you had like uh, 75% tax rates and owners could have double declining depreciation on a building and they actually because their tax rates were so high and the depreciation allowance was so great they could make money by not even having a tenant in the building so we figured out that that probably wasn't a good economic model. And so they changed the tax laws. And then we had all these buildings go belly up because there were there were too many of them, the SNL crisis. And we had, you know, so we, we've seen these, we've seen negative situations before and trying to figure them out in those particular cases. And that's our challenge today. How long is this impact going to be with us? And that's a real big problem, real big question. Right. So that's a big part of the appraisal. And as you said, I guess it's it's very different depending on the sector, right? Is it a hotel, mm -hmm. is it a multi-tenant retail, or is it maybe a single tenant uh, retail or auto that potentially uh, or drugstore that has no impact, right? I think I've seen, seems like I've seen cap rates on some of those properties go down. 
So that's an interesting situation because where you have uh, a business that's viable and you have a credit tenant involved, like you're taking the drugstores, for instance, I mean, they're busy. So when you look in the, so investors buying investment property don't just have drugstores to choose from. They have restaurants, they have all kinds of credit tenancies. So the ones that are very solid in times of uncertainty become to some degree, sometimes more desirable. And that could be why you're looking at the cap rate, the, the, the risk scenario there might be less than some of these other property types. So that's perhaps why you're seeing a decline in those rates. All right. And another thing that, that kind of comes up a good bit in this kind of market um, are comps. And, you know, because of less sales of properties, there's kind of less to go on. So as a, as an instructor, uh, you know, what is suitable in commercial appraisals as far as distance, size, ranges, uh, uh, how long ago was the, was the sale? And has that changed or does that get adjusted in a market like you're in now? Is, is, is that a little more flexible? Well, so let me let me separate out the the two areas in CRE. So I go back to the my example on the office warehouse property that's largely owner occupied. So that that property type is likely going to be the valuation is, in my, my work would be driven by sales. So I'm going to be looking for sales data to help me with that. The tenant sales? No, owner occupied. Yeah, it's just sale sales of the buildings with the land and you know what are they going for per square foot and what happened in the deal and however when we move into multi-tenant situations or even single tenant like i said earlier credit type or non-credit type that are driven as investment properties so the income approach becomes much more important in trying to analyze where that property is so the, actually a real challenge in that income side is try, the lenders always like to see sales to back up what you're doing in the income approach. But connecting those two types of analyses today is really tricky because if you look at the variables in the income approach, what are we talking? Do we have greater vacancy today? Is rent gone down? Uh, are cap rates affected? Uh, are there more uh, expenses due to COVID in terms of uh, having to make some changes to the building so that people feel comfortable coming there? Yeah. So there's a lot of variable. And how do you translate that to the sales that might not have all that in? And again, I'll go back and say, how long is this going to last? And you want to make sure as a valuer and as an appraiser, you're not capitalizing an income stream that's been penalized too much when maybe the market participants are going to tell you that, hey, mid next year, we're going to be out of this. I'm not saying that as a fact. I'm saying if they tell you that, then you need to think about a short term adjustment rather than a long term penalty. I was hoping I could just quote you on that. Jeff Sherman said we'll be out of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. I'm not that prescient. <laughs> um, so it looks like they're doing an appraisal today is just like it is for, for market participants like me. Um, there's a lot more involved. There's a lot more work to it. So uh, do appraisals cost more? Do you guys get paid more to, <laughs> for this, this amount of work that's involved in this time frame? Or? 
no sec black. So that's a that's a good question. I think uh, uh, so. I have to be careful about. I can't talk about fees specifically. Okay. Um, uh, you know, due to antitrust regulations, so I'm not going to do that. But uh, I, I think fees are to a great degree in um, certain areas. Uh, which are more commodity-based. So if you're talking about appraisals for mortgage purposes, there's uh, a, a lot of people that provide those services. So it's a supply and demand uh, issue relative to what the fees are. If you get out of that space and you get into like divorce, like I mentioned, I did that appraisal of the restaurant for a divorce now, they're hiring you because of your expertise there. They know that when you, if you have to go to court, you can back up what you have to say. So that's a, it's a different animal. And so definitely you're gonna get, it, it, whether it's COVID or not, you're gonna get paid more. But today this analysis is is more difficult. It's more time consuming. So yes, you, I, I guess I would answer the question. We should be getting a little bit more money and I hear that appraisers are extremely busy now, that lenders are trying to analyze a lot of properties to see what's going on with their you know, portfolios. Well, that's curious, because that's one thing I was going to ask you. Um, are you getting more lenders asking for appraisals right now? And you definitely are, I guess. And it, it from the contacts that I have locally, um, they're indicating they're very busy. So, and that's both on the appraiser side as well as the lender side. And back to comps for a minute. Uh, and if you just joined us, we're talking with Jeff Sherman. He's president of the Appraisal Institute, and he's also an instructor for the Appraisal Institute. So what is the general guideline on commercial real estate for comps that can be used? Um, so, I don't mean to be glib, but we always like to have the best sales. If we had a property next door that was a twin of ours, uh, we want that, you know. Uh, but then we get into the verification process, and we want to make sure that the transaction, there weren't any unseen conditions that in the transaction, like sometimes you run into an exercise of a lease option, even though this sale appears in CoStar to have happened on September 1st, the price might've been set three years ago. So appraisers are digging into, you know, the background of these sales. And Michael, I'll say, you know, since you're a broker and a large part of your audience is brokers, when you guys can take a few minutes and spend some time with us or answer some email questions, this helps the whole industry by making sure what we're doing is the best possible. And that's every appraiser I know wants to get, wants to do the best job that they can. So I, I wanna thank you guys for helping us, you know, get through some of this stuff because it's really, really important to commercial real estate. Yeah, I, I agree. And how far back timeline wise, uh, do you typically consider cop, comp to be okay and is there any flexibility during a time like this when there's less comps? Uh, sure, there's flexibility. And that's the judgment of the appraiser. And it's the specific property type and the specific location. I mean, if, if so, for an example, if you were trying to appraise a golf course today, so what's how many sales are there in the last six months of golf courses? I, I don't know. Because uh, I, I don't work in that space regularly. However, however and, and I'm getting off topic here a little bit, so stop. So you, you play golf or you do? I the do. I do. 
And what, what I've noticed at our club, we're semi-private, which means we have public play, is that there have been so many people coming out of the woods to do recreation with their spouses and their family that I've never seen before. And then I saw some National Golf Foundation statistics a week ago that said rounds are up about 20% this year from last year. So crazy to see that golf is being impacted positively by coronavirus. The question is what'll happen next year? Well, if things are fixed in the pandemic world, will people, will there be a carryover? You know, uh, we don't know, but those are what we get into in these crazy different property types of ours. So to answer your question about the length, uh, if I'm doing that industrial building, for instance, I probably have good industrial comparables in greater Cleveland. We're a very large industrial market. And I can, with within two to three years, I'll have five to eight really good comparables that I can use. Okay. So if an appraiser is doing an appraisal test, he gets to that question about how, how old can a comp be, and he has all these different answers, it's going to be the bottom one. It depends. <laughs> it's always it. We're great at that. That's our specialty. It depends, right? Yeah. So. Well, it makes it certainly makes you know, a lot of sense uh, because you you uh, definitely have to look at that. And then so back for a moment to uh, projections and, and underwriting, um, then uh, as far as looking at future performance of, of a property um, to do evaluation, I guess each individual appraisal then has to figure out from his uh, market analysis and from his interviews uh, and, and what economists are saying and things like that, just give an opinion of how that property might perform moving forward for underwriting. Uh, and it may be different, obviously, for any every sector or, or building. Well, so when you say underwriting, we don't specifically reference underwriting in our, our work. It's, it's usually we're performing the work for a lending institution in that scenario, and that's the, the ultimate end use of it. Might, you know, depending on how we, when we get a request from the bank or from the lender, they will uh, indicate to us what the intended use of the report is. A lot of times it's for underwriting purposes. So. That would be what you're talking about. And, and so, you know, we would structure our comments in there about the impact on COVID. Is it short term for this property? Is it long term? Is there no impact? And how did we arrive at that conclusion? Okay. Um, Jeff, how might a property owner or a commercial real estate participant who uh, is doing a loan or a sale, they need an appraisal, how might they be helpful to the appraiser um, and what's allowed and, and how might they be helpful to uh, get a more accurate and, and a better appraisal? So I uh, always value in my practice, I always value what the owner has to say. I, I wanna hear what the owner has to say. And if it's in the lending world, it's, it's important to know. Uh, I will mention, Michael, that if you get into eminent domain where the government's taking property, that's really critical there. Appraisers need to hear what the owner thinks the impact on the property is from the taking that's occurring. You know, I'm a little off lending world here, but um, it, definitely talking to the owner 
uh, is a really important part of, of what we do. So we, we always we always try to do that. And one thing that I've I would do I do now is, is you know I sell large office buildings, so mm-hmm. I track all the sales and comps you know very closely, and I know a good bit about those those sales and what was going on at the time and how it was marketed and you know what capex was done uh, at which which uh, NOI we were talking about was it, uh, <laughs> is it the seller's NOI the buyer's appraiser, and, and I usually supply those comments and comps to to help make sure that the, the it does get a skew by you know look someone looking at comps is that is that okay and is that something that that no it's that's extremely helpful and i if i had a crown here that i could give you i would say you're king for the day for doing that we (laughs) we we can never get enough of that kind of information so that i mean appraisers want to be accurate i mean that's that's our job so when we know that we're using a projected income stream from the seller that was based on last year's income and things have changed this year and it's not what the buyer thought and you know we're using a cap rate uh, from buyers versus historical rates from sell it really can throw things out of whack so we've got to be very careful in in our process and deliberate and make sure we're doing things the correct way okay um and is there um tell us about the uh, mei appraisal and is is there always a sign off of a, of a second appraiser to review or is it sometimes just that one appraiser's opinion he's looking at it and no one else is looking at it sure so um uh, so individual appraiser offices have their own policies about whether or not they have internal reviews of their work inside their office but if i'm doing an appraisal appraisal for xyz lender typically the lender has uh, a review process that they're required process that they're required to go through so that may be a staff reviewer it could be out independent contractors that they hire might be mais that are reviewers and they that's all they do is do bank reviews on an independent contractor basis so I'll, i would say it, it, especially in the lending world almost all work is reviewed okay but if you just ordered an appraisal for non-lending, it could be that one appraiser's view and look. Correct. Correct. Okay. Well, uh, Jeff, this has been very informative. Um, you know, this audience uh, owns and controls uh, commercial real estate all over the country. Um, what would you leave our audience with to think about here as we, we look at October 2020? Hopefully COVID's uh, hopefully sliding out. No one really knows. What would you leave our audience to think about as far as related to appraisals or valuations right now? So I would just like to point out that, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, the Appraisal Institute um, is the largest professional association of real estate appraisers in the United States. We have over 17,000 members and in near, we're, we're in nearly 50 countries also. So we do span the globe a little bit. Um, we've, we've been awarding designations like the MAI designation, like the AIGRS, which is the General Review Specialist designation. Uh, I'm not mentioning our two residential designations, the SRA and the AIRRS, but because this is commercial, so we're, we're kind of focusing on that. But we've been awarding those designations for many years. Uh, when licensing came into effect, it established 
the minimum requirements. We're the doctorate level degrees above that. So the experts, the real experts, are the people that have these designations and are some of the best appraisers in the world. Yeah, um, and I'm glad you mentioned that. And uh, and and while we're talking about it, um, go to appraisalinstitute.org if you're listening to this show. Um, there's a lot of great information on here, and, and I was really pleased to to see how much is available. You know, uh, without having to be a, a member or pay uh, or to pay. You bet. And we have a world-class library that has some functions available to the public also, the LUM library. Uh, in the upper right-hand corner of our webpage, I believe, is a coronavirus, kind of a moving tab. There's like seven tabs that move. And you can get information right there about what we're trying to think about today on, you know, coronavirus impacts. We also oh, we also have a series of webinars on Wednesday at noon that I think go through YouTube. So those are available. So those are available. Yeah, I didn't touch that uh, Corona COVID link because I didn't want to catch COVID. By <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually had COVID back in July. Uh, so really? for 10 days, yeah, I was tired uh, and achy and tired, but I was uh, fine after that and no, no, no issues since. So. Well, glad to hear that. Uh, good for you. Yeah. So, but anyway, all right. So, so listeners uh, appreciate uh, this information, Jeff, and and uh, do go go to the website, appraisalinstitute.org. Uh, There's some great information. Jeff Sherman, thank you for joining us, sir. Michael Bull, thank you very much. It was great to be with you all today. All right, and thank you for joining us around the country. Let us know what you think. Uh, we appreciate you sharing the show and connecting with us on your favorite social media, or there's an old fashioned uh, black box on my desk. It has some buttons on it. That's called a phone. You can also uh, call us till next week. Be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's commercial real estate show. the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Vista Property Report slash CRE Show. Incredible analysis using smartphone technology. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.